This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Welcome to the latest episode of Poetry in Motion with me, Neil Fitz. How are we today? Um, whatever you're doing, walking your dogs, enjoying some sunshine, enjoying a bit of looks like it's going to chip down where I'm living. Um, probably reminiscing about last night's game and wondering what the hell is going on with Liverpool Football Club. Look, we've been we've been graced with 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 I don't know how many podcasts we've done now. It's been a lot, and over the last four or five seasons, we've watched this incredible team do remarkable things. We've We've sat here on on podcasts and 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 just not really knowing what to say because because it was it was so it was so perfect. Um, three games in, very much a different story at the moment. We've lost Sadio Mane. We've replaced well, we haven't replaced Sadio Mane, obviously, but we've brought big names signing in. Um, but last night's defeat to uh, Manchester United felt um, felt very worrying for a lot of different reasons. Really, um, I'm joined by Tom Cavier. Or Tom Cavilla and uh, Paul Ghost as well as with me. Um, it doesn't matter. I will say your name, Tom. I tried to put a little uh, posh slant on it there, kid. We're all sitting here with faces tripping us. Um, not only, not only are we desperately in need, Tom, for uh, for for people to fill in the massive gaps in the midfield. What worried me even more about last night's game was that knowing that City had dropped points uh, and going to Man United, it was a completely underwhelming performance by a team that just weighing up for it yet again and not getting themselves up for football matches and are looking um, increasingly worrying, really. Uh, how did you see it last night, Tom? Um, it was a bit of a funny one, wasn't it, really? Because I think going into the game, uh, everyone didn't really know what to expect in terms of you know whether Man United were going to turn up or not. Um, you know, It could have gone one or two ways, obviously, in the end. It, happened that they did happen to play quite well man united um last season we saw it i think they came into that game of liverpool on a bad run uh similar to this year and then obviously lost five nil but you know they from sort of the first five minutes you could tell they were up for it they, obviously you know they would have had a dressing down sure from uh ten Hag this week about that brentford performance and just the start to the season uh in general really and you could see that just from the word go you know Closing down Liverpool every every time they were on the ball, not not allowing Trent and others, you know, to play those passes they normally do in the game, and they, there just wasn't really a lot, particularly in the first sort of half an hour, going right for Liverpool. Um, it got a bit better second half, you know, started to get a bit more space. Um, I thought Carvalho looked really good when he came on, made a difference. Fabinho as well, but just just something that doesn't look right at the moment. It's it's quite hard to like put your finger on what what it is exactly. Um, could be a number of things adding up together, but at the moment that they just don't look like the team that we've been so used to seeing. Like you said, they're just it's a shadow of that team really at the minute. And uh, obviously, that's the game you wouldn't want that to happen in again against United. You know, would have hoped for a big performance, but uh, it wasn't to be. You're absolutely right, uh, Ghosty. It was. Um... There just doesn't seem to be any motivation, does there? I mean, Trent had the worst game I've ever seen him play. He was. You talk about um, you talk about the little flashpoints after the first goal, and in between Milner and, and Van Dijk, I don't know how any of those didn't get Trent by the scruff of the neck because he was he, he he was jogging along alongside a little give and go that was allowed to just take him out the game, and he just carried on jogging. There was no when Sancho got that ball, he had time to dummy it once, find his corner, 
and then and then you you just see Trent Jordan. I mean, his performance was disgraceful. It was there was no passion in his performance. There was little flick passes that were just turning over possession time after time after time. Um, his delivery was woeful. Um, this is a Liverpool side at the moment that is not just lacking a midfield presence. It's lacking any kind of presence. I mean, we're three games in and 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 the player that stood out for me personally in all those three games is Harvey Elliott. He's the only person who is running around with a bit of an engine and trying to get things going. Diaz, you can maybe put in the mix, but because because they seem to have that energy, but there's no energy in Liverpool. The whole back four are, 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 are poor, really, really poor. It's no surprise we are we are now seven games is that on the trot, including the Champions League final, a couple from last season, where we've where we conceded the, the first goal. This is um, this is just is this just down to the fact that there's a midfield there's there's no strength in the midfield, Paul, or is there a does how can you not get up for that game? Yeah, I, I think there's I think there might be something wider to play. If I'm honest, I think I think with the first goal you get Milner and Van Dijk having a bit of an argument and. Van Dijk's probably saying to Milner, well, you shouldn't have jumped in the way you did. And Milner's probably saying to him, well, once that happens, you've got to go and close him down. And I've seen Jamie Carragher talking after the game and, and he said, if there's one kind of criticism of Van Dijk, is that he's at times not intense enough. Um, And sometimes, I, I, you know, I've never seen an attender like Virgil Van Dijk. I, I probably never will again at Liverpool. But if there's one slight criticism of him, it's that at times he's um he seems to think he's maybe a little bit above kind of the last stitch defending. It's all very calm, it's all very casual, and more often than not, he looks great and it comes off and he looks like the most incredible centre back you've ever seen. But when it doesn't, when he's allowing things like Jaden Sancho to pick his place instead of him rushing out to the ball as soon as you know Milner's been sent for the echo, or like last week. Allowing Zaha the, the shot, and he's probably thinking, well, he's probably not going to beat Allison from there, so you know I'll, I'll let him take that shot on, and, and he does, and he, and he does beat Allison. Just a little bit of thing in there with Van Dyke that sometimes he doesn't want to do the last ditch stuff, the stuff that maybe you know he might see as beneath him as someone who likes to play the game at his own pace and whatever else. And we're looking to, to be too critical on him because, as I say, he's an incredible centre-back and one of the major reasons for Liverpool's success in the last few years. But there was that. Uh, yeah, I thought Trent was was awful. I'd, again, I'm reluctant to criticise Trent at times when I, people say he can't defend. That absolutely drives me insane. They tear my ear out and I back him to the hills because he's played a massive part in Liverpool's success and Liverpool have had, you know, certainly two of the last three or four seasons, they've had the best defensive record in, in the Premier League. Um, but last night... He was massively below par. He just seemed to allow Anthony Langer and Marcus Rashford to get in behind him, use a bit of pace, and didn't seem to have the intensity, the aggression, the you know, for all the talk of intensity, the identity, as Pep Linders loves to say, and the, you know, he's got his book called it. Liverpool has just been massively without any kind of intensity this season, and I don't know how much of it is a hangover from last season when he played sixty-three games, and between sort of certainly between. April and May, and probably further beyond. Every single game was massive, wasn't it? It was, it was a huge game. Liverpool going for the quadruple. One slight stumble in the cup and they're out, and the quadruple dreams over. Or one slight setback, and City are probably going to win the league. And everything was just incredibly high stakes, and and that sort of brought out the best in Liverpool um, up until the Champions League final. I don't know whether now we're looking at it, thinking, well, it's a new season. We don't really need to 
you know, if we lose a couple of games, if we draw a couple of games here and there, it's not the um, it's not the be all and end all. It's only early day. I don't know whether that's just the kind of subconscious thing that's, that's crept into them because if you're not at hundred percent, you're not going to win games in the Premier League. But something something's got to change. I, I, I was just saying to Tom before we started recording. Um, I'm I, I'm normally like to think of myself as somebody who doesn't do the knee jerk reaction, hyperbole, over the top stuff. And after the Fulham game, I don't think I was. And then after the Palace game, I don't think I was. And, and you can lose to Manchester United in any area of Liverpool, you know, being Liverpool, you can lose at Old Trafford. It's not a disaster or it's not a shock. It's not an embarrassment. It just can happen because Manchester United are, along with Liverpool, the biggest club in England, aren't they? So that can happen. But when it all comes together this early on in the season, just get the feeling that something's not quite right. And, and the amount of injuries is a mitigation for Klopp. But it's no shock, is it? You know, so many people were saying before the season began, they need a midfielder because you can't rely on Oxley chamberlain you can't rely on Thiago, you certainly can't rely on Cater. And three games in, they're looking like the, the guys who said we told you so, aren't they? So, yeah, uh, a lot has got to change. Um, they've lost, they, they fell behind in seven Premier League games in a row. Um, could even be nine factoring in the Champions League semi-final in Villarreal and, of course, the, the final in Paris. Um, so it's got to change. They've got to start switching on early. They've got to realise they're in games earlier. And then hopefully the quality and attitude will sort of see results come back to the fore. That's the most worrying thing for me, Tom, is that is that la- the lack of intensity. It, this is a com- It's a completely different attitude we're seeing at the moment. We're seeing a... You know the, the the quick interplay, the passing, the finding spaces. You can tell when you when 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 the ball goes out for throwing, and we're taking a minute to try and find someone to throw a ball to because no one's moving. No one seems to be moving for each other. There doesn't seem to be any kind of the turnover. It's just it seems to me that we knock three or four passes again and just thump it up the pitch. Um, it's obvious that they're a game. I mean, when you start a game against Man United with James Milner. And no disrespect to James Milner, he's an absolute legend. But let's face it, when he signed an extended contract, we were expecting, you know, 85-minute appearances, weren't we, for a dozen games a season. He shouldn't be, he shouldn't be. Even though he covers the blades of grass, don't get me wrong, he, he, he's, a, he's a lion, we know that. But you are missing quality. We've got nothing in the midfield that can provide any kind of goal threat. You're t- we're trying to keep up an intensity demand. Sorry. Um, we're trying to keep up an intensity that uh, that Manchester United, Manchester City, have flown away with. We've got when they can rely on De Bruyne, Silva, um, Rodrigo, uh, Gundogan. These are all midfielders who can pop up with goals. We don't have anyone that can pop up with goals. Um, it seems to me that 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 that, that Salah's playing really wide. Diaz is playing really wide. There's gaps in between them. It just seems to me like it's all. Going back to basics and 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 um, that I'm finding very worrying because I don't know about you, Tom, but Manchester United weren't all that last night. And 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 the one thing you can guarantee is that the, there's a very good chance they're going to lose the next few games because they're not that very good. They didn't do anything particularly. Yeah. They just weren't forced into an issue like Brentford did with them and like Brighton did with them. We didn't force anything. We got lots of possession in the end, but we couldn't do anything with it. But I mean, they were by far a decent side. Uh, we we were just really really poor. Yeah, I think I think it would have been interesting to see you know how the game would have gone if Nunez was playing up front because I know before like, sort of going into the United game when fans were sort of looking ahead to that coming up, um, obviously before his red card, 
the sort of obvious talking point was him against Martinez at the back and how that would sort of shape up. And, um, you know, I think it would have been, you know, it would have made probably a big difference having him uh, playing yesterday because you could see at times how erratic he sort of was with his uh, defending. I think United almost scored, well, Fernandez almost blasted it off him in, as, um, into his own net for an own goal. And there was a couple of times where he was sort of losing his head a little bit at the back, um, you know, quite an aggressive player. So if we had Nunez at front in that game, I think he definitely would have, you know, been asking a few more questions of United at the back because I think the only issue with Firmino is we've seen it quite a few times, you know, when he's playing, he just drops so deep that he's not actually in the box a lot of the time. So when you're looking for someone to get on the end of a cross or trying to find someone in the box with a pass, there's not actually hardly anyone there a lot of the time. Um, Harvey Elliott, like you said, he's he's one of the few players that's kind of trying to make things happen with his runs and that energy he brings when, when in possession. And Cavalio as well, he looked really good as well in that, in that sense when coming on. But apart from that, there wasn't really... There wasn't really a lot to celebrate or shout about. Um, Henderson, it was not a good game for him again either. Um, and then Milner, like you said, you can see it. He does tire a little bit towards the end of the game. And like you said, that's when ideally you'd want him coming on at the end of the game just to sort of steady the ship. So I think the injury, I think the injuries definitely have, um, you know, taking a toll on Liverpool because there's some key players missing. And once you start getting a few of them back in, I think we will start to see an improvement. Um, Jota, obviously a big one missing as well. I think he can make a big difference coming back. So hopefully we can get a few more of those guys back in the team soon. Yeah, I mean, it's it, you know we do have about ten injuries. I mean, it, it is a, a, a terrible start to the season injury wise, and of course that's going to have an impact. Um, Gorsty, it was interesting during the week. I heard Klopp made a comment. He, he every now and again drops these little comments in, and, and he do, you know he's not one to he's not one to shoot from the hip. He, he, he sort of deliberately puts little things in, and he, he said something about the fact that look, he's not in charge of the transfer budget, mm. um, and it was a very thinly disguised attack, I think, at perhaps where his frustrations lie. Because um, if PSG is saying, look, you know, you want Jude Bellingham, but you're not getting anyone else, it is painfully obvious to see that if over the next three or four games Liverpool don't start turning things around, then we could be in it. We could be in a, in a, in a a fight for, for for top four and top six. This is how quickly this 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 league leaves you behind, and and that that midfield's not good enough, mate. It's as simple as that. There has to be some sort of dip into a transfer market to find someone to start. And it doesn't matter if if it's if it's someone who who is 20, 30, 40 million quid who when Thiago and Fabinho are back in form, doesn't get much of a game. Because I don't think I ever... I can never see them not being injured, mate. You know, Thiago yeah. is, carries yeah. injuries. Keita is... I don't know. I don't even have the have the words for Keita anymore. I mean, uh, I, I was always behind him. I always wanted him. He'd, he'd come on, he'd play a game, he'd play all right. His influence, of course, of course he, he scored the first goal against United last season, didn't he? And he, he had a great... He had a great performance. He's gone from injured... He's gone from ill to injured without kicking the ball in anger. And I don't know whether this is because of this transfer situation or the contract situation. Do you think there's a possibility that, that, that the, the most Salah contract has had knock-on effects towards this squad? Because they just look like a team of individuals at the moment. It's it's difficult, isn't it? I can't actually put my finger on, on anything specific. I, I wrote last night in our live match blog, um, 
something along the lines of, well, I can't actually sum up what's wrong with Liverpool other than the fact of just saying everything, just because nothing seems to be going right. Um, I mean, I, I haven't known Nunes out there, that, that, that's, that's a blow that Liverpool certainly could have done without. I agree with Tom, you know, with Nunes and the team. Getting right up against Lissandro Martinez, who's only five foot nine, has been well documented. He's an aggressive front footer defender. I think Nunes could have got some joy out of him there instead of Firmino, who was pretty much playing as a number six. And I think when Klopp said he was, it'd be cool to have a new midfielder. I don't think he envisioned it, meaning that he would sacrifice a striker to have one. Um, I thought Firmino was really, really disappointing again last night, like he was against Fulham. Naby Keita. <sighs> I mean, we're having its grand back day again, isn't it? It has been for four years. And you're saying, oh, well, if he's fit, he, he can have a big impact. But he's never fit. He, he hasn't, he's already had two different issues this season. And we're only three games in. He's had illness. And now he's got this latest in, injury, which Klopp has been very guarded on. Said he's waiting for further assessment. But at this point, you bet it's just a, you know, it's, you, you're count, counting on it. You're basically just working off the. the the fact that Kate is going to be injured and if it's a bonus when he's fit, as opposed to being a setback when he's not. Um, Thiago was someone who, who's always carried injuries throughout his career, but you you make a little bit of an allowance for someone as good as him because he's one of the best midfielders in the in the Premier League when he's at his absolute best. But generally, yeah, um, Liverpool, for my money, need, need to be doing something, and they need to be doing more than just just a midfielder. I think. This idea that a mythical midfielder who comes in and kind of, you know, washes over everything and everything's back to the way it was in, in the April and the May is is probably a bit far-fetched. I think they need a forward. I think if Salah and Dor Diaz aren't playing, then Liverpool are relying on playing players out of position there. Oxide chamberlain Keita, Jota, maybe Kate Gordon. He's only 17, 18. So Liverpool need another forward for me. And, and you know... It sounds easy to say with hindsight, but did this Origi and Minamino go already looks foolish? What Klopp would have given last night to send on Minamino for 20 minutes to send them on against Palace? And he's, he, was, he was never a well-beaten himself, but he was someone who could have done something, just a forward option. And they're looking at it now and you're thinking, send it on Fabio Carvalho, who's a 19-year-old with limited Premier League experience, and you tell them, go and rescue this game at Old Trafford. It's too much to ask, it's too much to demand. You've got Bobby Clark, Stefan Bacetic, Harvey Davis, Seth Vandenberg. You know, they're probably players who, who a lot of fans have never even heard of. Couldn't point them out of a lineup, and they're on the bench at Manchester United. And okay, there are injuries that we can't kind of dismiss that completely. But the players who were injured, are, you know, it's no shock, is it? The players are the players who a lot of fans thought would get injured. And, Lo and behold, it's happened three games into the season. And you rightly say, if one or two bad results in this league and, and things can get away from me, certainly from Liverpool's perspective, when they're trying to chase down Manchester City, they're already five behind them. And City through the weekend. So they're already two behind Arsenal. They've made a flying start. And I think Liverpool will finish above Arsenal. I'm not saying that at all. But I just mean, you know, if you don't start putting together a sequence of results early, you're looking at a really desperate situation and it's just an absolute must win on, on Saturday now against Bournemouth it really is The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo It's at home we've got an own crowd behind us but so was Palace I mean I just think um, 
you know, with 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 Liverpool's incomes, Liverpool have spent. I don't know with add-on without the add-ons. It's, I think it's. I think there's seventy-five million gone out and sixty-five million come in. It's an spend of ten million pounds. You know they do they do business, but let, this is getting beyond a joke now, really, isn't it? And like you say, the people we've had this before when we got rid of Lovren, and then struggled to get centre backs, and, and the entire season went to pot. And, and you're looking at this and you're saying this isn't going to get any better. You know, some of these players out. You know, you might not see Thiago back to full fitness for six to eight weeks. Even if he's four to six out, it's going to take him back in. Hendo can't do it. He's, he, he's as, as, as much as I love him, he can't be carrying that team. We had that ridiculous situation last night where, where Fabinho comes on in the second half because he's clearly not. And it looked quite clear to me in, in the last two games that Fabinho was carrying an injury. Um, he was woeful against Palace. He was, he, was, he was too slow. He wasn't getting into any tackles. Every time he had the ball, he was moving backwards and sideways. There was no forward approach for him. He was carrying a knock. So he's another one who was thrown out there, bandaged up. With the, with the amount of money that's gone out compared to coming, they've got to surely be looking into someone. I know the, the, the names Moses Sacedo has been mentioned, Leandro Pinedas from PSG. We need to be we need to be doing this now, and surely to God, Klopp. I sat down with Peter, and this is the time when you when you when you really get to see whether PSG are the bean counters everyone thinks they are, or whether they go, you know, go out and get someone quick because that's what unfortunately other teams when they when they're on the line they have to do that and they do do that. Tom, most teams do it when they're not on the line. Liverpool need to show some sort of commitment to that team and those fans now, the club I'm talking about, by dipping into the uh, transfer market and getting someone who can just. Make like Tom, like uh, Ghosty says, it's not going to be a magic wand. But if you've got someone who can hold a play and break up a tackle, for God's sake, then it can it'll keep us going until we get the the big boys back. Yeah, and I think um, obviously just going back to United as well. Obviously, they've just signed Casemiro from Real Madrid. I think it's about sixty or seventy million pounds, and that that's a position they've sort of been crying out for as well. A player in that area, they've had. With Tomini and Fred, who you know are just not up to the standard they need, and you know United's owners, I know they've been getting a lot of criticism from their fans. You know they're under a lot of pressure at the minute, and whether that's just their way of sort of responding to that pressure by going, oh, here you go, here's a new new signing for midfield. I don't know, but you know Liverpool maybe the owners are not under that same kind of pressure, I guess, as the Glazers. So there's never really that kind of you know from the fans putting that pressure on of signing, we need this player, but it can show you what a difference that can make at times. You know, I, I would suggest that that signing has been sort of influenced by the pressure they're under. The fact that they've just brought him in, it kind of, they weren't really linked to him for all that long. And all of a sudden he signed for them. So, you know, that's going to be a really positive signing for them. You would imagine uh, given how well he's done at Real Madrid. And like you said, the midfield is an area Liverpool also need to strengthen in and, I know Klopp's gone on about looking for the right player a lot and FSG have a very particular sort of recruitment strategy. They don't want to kind of break out from that, which is fair enough. But I think you have to make an exception at times and I think this is probably one of those times that they might have to just, you know, deviate a little bit away from the sort of player they might ordinarily go for. Jude Bellion's obviously the obvious one that Liverpool keep being linked with and he's probably not going to be available until next summer. So 
you know, Liverpool have done it before where they waited for the right player and Van Dijk, obviously they tried to sign him that year. They waited the following year until they could get him. Um, and Cater as well, I think they, you know, when they agreed to do for him, he didn't actually arrive till the following year. So Liverpool always very patient in how they go about things and when they sign players. But like you both said, I don't think it's uh, one of those times they can maybe do that because the competition looks sort of stronger than ever this season as well. Arsenal, Tottenham both look really good. City obviously looking good. Um, Chelsea a bit hit and miss, but I think Liverpool can't really afford to be dropping more points because, like Paul said, they'll just get left behind. Yeah, I feel I I, I can't help but feel, and I'm hoping, Ghosty, that the the current sort of attitude within the team is is down to too much pressure on the pitch. Is down to the fact that. We haven't got a midfield who can control breakdown attacks. So they're being penned back a lot. We're losing midfield battles every single time we get out on the pitch. So that is obviously applying more pressure to the to the back four and, and of course, allowing for more chances. Um, it's imperative, isn't it, Paul? I mean, it's this, they can't sit on their hands. This, 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 this should be a big, massive, in the case of emergency, break glass with a, with a player in it that we can just shatter and pull out because... There has to be players out there. I'm not talking about an £80 million signing, but there has to be players out there. Um, I mean, that, that kid from Fulham, the Portuguese kid from Fulham in the midfield, who absolutely bossed us um, and, and scored a, a bullet out of the weekend. You know, there are players out there, surely in world football, that our scouts are looking at that we can pull in because this... It cannot go on the way it is because it's it's seeping through the team, isn't it? Mm, I mean, there's there's a fine line, isn't there? When when your net spend is so low, you know, when you're winning, you look like geniuses, and you you keep you staying at the top of the game while not spending too much, and you're kind of replenishing your squad, and it's not ultimately costing you much. And and when when it works, you know, that's why all the flaws that's come Liverpool's way, um, deservedly so. That's kind of how it's meant to be done. But when it doesn't, when the results start to slip and you've got a big glaring number like that at the net spend, which is 10 million for a club who got the Champions League final in, in May, that's when it starts to look like negligence. I think there's a very fine line between that kind of genius and, and negligence. And, and ultimately, like everything in football, it comes down to the results, doesn't it? Um, And we know that Klopp doesn't like to, to go for players who aren't his first choice, but that doesn't mean that they haven't done it before in terms of having, you know, a number of, of players in, in, you know, in certain positions. I look back to when they signed Jota in twenty twenty. They were after Ishmael Saar from Watford as well. Um, they had Jonathan David on on a kind of three man shortlist, and that same summer when they signed Simakas at left back, they went after Jamal Lewis at Norwich. Um, and they had Lloyd Kelly on, on the list, and and Sergi Reguilon who, who went to Tottenham that same summer. So. This idea that they only identify kind of one player, you know, that holds weight when you're buying an Allison, when you're buying a Van Dyke, but it doesn't hold weight when you're looking to buy a, a midfielder who might come in and, and he's not necessarily going to be first choice. He's just coming in to beef up the options to play a squad role at a time when you can make five subs and somebody who's going to play a part for the next, you know, six to eight weeks, certainly um, every week. So, I don't always buy the idea that Klopp has, has a first choice. He does for certain players when it's the superstar players who are going to transform the team. But when it's a little bit further down the, the kind of pecking order, 
as you say, there has to be someone who, who the club can identify. And, and as I say, I don't don't even think they need just one kind of stick and plaster midfielder and everything's going to be fine. I think they probably need a, someone up, up top as well. Um, it's just strange how the options look so so thin already. Um, because even if you know, say, even if, for example, Thiago and Jota return at the weekend, well, Jota hasn't had the pre-season, so we, it's going to take him weeks to get completely up to speed. Thiago, we know, doesn't necessarily come flying out the blocks as soon as he returns. So even when these players are back on the team sheets in the squad list and they're available, they're not necessarily going to be bang at 100%. So this is an issue that could affect Liverpool for, for quite some time, to be honest. Um they're probably quite lucky that there's a there's a World Cup in November, so they can get quite a lot of the non-internationals and almost go through another pre-season routine with them and, and get them up to. I, I I was actually hopeful that that might be a kind of bonus for Liverpool this season that not too many of them are going to go the World Cup, and if they can get a kind of second pre-season in after so many games, then after Christmas they, they'll be flying. But at the moment, you're looking at it and you're thinking it's going to be a pre-season where they're just going to need to rest up and try and get as fit as they can because they're, they're dropping like flies, aren't they? The injury list already is, is shocking. Yeah, and as you say, whether or not it's a, it's a knock-on effect from a very heavy season, but they've started slowly. Liverpool Liverpool are known to come out the blocks, aren't they? Let's face it, they come out... I mean, last season we were scoring on average of three, three goals a game. Um, all three of these football matches we've started, we've been slower to the ball. We've been slower to react. We've been misplacing passes. We've been showing all the signs of, of of a team that aren't fit enough. And that's that's not Liverpool. That's not the way they do it. So it could well be that, that we are looking at signs of players who, who who will not be able to perform at 100% fitness because they've been wiped out the season before and need a season to get over it. You know, we, we haven't even seen any... We've got no cover for, for Trent. So he... he you can sometimes look at the kind of player who plays like he's got no cover because um, surely he'd been hyped off last night. You, you you couldn't have put up with with that with that performance that looked so lacklustre and so it didn't it looked devoid of any kind of passion. But that was right to the side. I'll be honest with you. As I say, it's only really Diaz who was chasing after balls and uh, Harvey Elliott. We've talked about Sadio Mane going, but what did he bring? Tom, what did he? What Sadio man was it? Attitude as well? Is that is that what's missing there? We often saw him running in deep to pick up the ball, them little turns of pace. He linked a, a lot of stuff together. Is do you think the hangover of him going is uh, is has bled into the side a little bit in its performances, Tom? Um, maybe it's hard to say. I mean, I think with Mane, the good thing about him was um, how versatile he was for Liverpool. Obviously, when he first came, he was sort of playing on the right right side. Um, played on the left wing for Liverpool, but also played sort of down the middle that last season as well at times. So, you know, he was a player that was able to sort of function across multiple positions. And, you know, that's not something you could maybe say for everyone else in the team. So having a player that's able to do that is obviously a major benefit, having uh, Mane being able to do that for you. Um, and now you've lost him, like you said, Salah... You know, maybe you can play him centrally as well. I think he has done that at times. But with the other players, they're sort of fixed to one position a lot more than Mane was. So I think that's probably, you know, hurting Liverpool a little bit at the minute because with the injuries to Jota up front, you know, 
having someone like Mane would have been really helpful at this time, you know, because he could have played in, in those positions where players are missing. But yeah, I mean, what you're saying about his intensity, yeah, he was someone who, you know, was always chasing down balls, uh, very um, unselfish player as well in the team, always looking to set up other players. Um, you know, he was always a threat really whenever he played for Liverpool. So of course they're going to miss, you know, his quality in the final third. He was very clinical a lot of the time and Liverpool just, don't look like scoring at the moment either. So having someone like him, <laughs> he probably would have made a big difference. But I don't think we can really, you know, sort of pin it too much on Mane because he's gone. You've got to move on. Liverpool have, uh, you know, it sounds like they knew for a while that he was going to move on. So, you know, you think they would sort of, you know, expected it, know what was, was going to come. You're going to miss someone like Mane. And you've just got to try and find... Uh, players who can bridge that gap in quality at the moment it's not happening but I think with Nunez coming back hopefully that's going to make a difference again um, and we just have to hope other players will start stepping up as well yeah no, I mean to say that there are there are scant positives but certainly the form of Harvey Elliott Paul um, is a scant optimistic part isn't it really because he, he he has been very very good he's a good engine he, he's linking up well you can see the um, you can see the possibilities of him in a in a in a in a good strong side. Andy Robertson made a, a comment saying that things need to be said in the dressing room and stuff, and um, mm. be interesting to see what exactly he's talking about there. Whether that's just you know players needing to be honest with each other. Um, it's just to a man, isn't it? It's just not anywhere near the levels that we, we that we've come to expect and the levels that they set themselves. Yeah, it's something you're not normally associated with this Liverpool team, isn't it? Kind of dissension in the ranks. And that's why it was interesting to see Van Dijk and Milner kind of having a little bit of a set too. Um, particularly given they're, they're kind of two of the leaders in the squad, aren't they? That too, and, and Henderson. Certainly the kind of, um, you know, the founding fathers almost of the leadership group that's within the squad. Um, so, yeah, may, may, I mean, maybe it's, I mean, it's never a good thing not winning the games, but. Um, one of my kind of big overriding criticisms of this Liverpool team for, for quite a few years, to be fair, uh, there hasn't been much to criticise them on, but it's the fact that they're probably all a little bit too nice. You know, they're a bunch of choir boys, aren't they? The, um, no kind of devil in them when things are going against them, just to, to have a little bit of a fight back, or a little bit of a, you know, show that we're not going to be overrun and pushed over. So maybe, you know, there will be a few... Frank words discussed this week. Um, one or two conversations that are a bit uncomfortable, a few home truths. But if it gets them back to win a ways, then so be it. Um, let's have it all out in the AXA training centre this week and see what, where it brings. Um, but yeah, so, something has to change. And going back to Tom's point there, he's talking about Nunes when, when he returns, and he's just put massive pressure on himself by trying to nut joke with Anderson last week, hasn't he? Because now he's suspended, he's going to be coming back into a team that, that could still be struggling. Um and there's gonna be talk of well he's only scored one game one goal and you know six or seven games into the season people aren't gonna make much of an allowance for the fact that he was sent off. And he's got to hit the ground running because Liverpool are looking really short up top. So um everywhere you look there's something to have a little grumble about and it's it's so unlike Liverpool. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to get the positives, and I don't want to come on here and just start, you know, slagging them off because 
we've been we've been treated to football in a different stratosphere for a long time, and let's 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 not forget that. And there were some opportunities. I mean, Bastian Schweinsteiger uh, made a, did an interview after the game saying Liverpool were the better team. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't see anything in the United other than him nicking a goal that was bar was bending corners again there, wasn't it? Because he looked offside to me. But Liverpool had large swathes of that game where they were in total domination. It was just that they were lacking that killer blow and lacking that final ball. So it was by no means a humiliation. It what what and I think what got to me more than the result itself was the manner of the play. I think that's what that was because you can have, as Paul said, you can have, you can bring in a worldy um, centre mid, but but it's the lethargy in which they're playing at the moment. And they play a high line. If you can't play a high line with pace, then you know that's going to get them all season long. It's going to be a very very long season. Um, there are positives in the sense that the, you know the, it's still that Liverpool team and. And if they click into gear, um, they'll be a force to be reckoned with. There's no doubt about it. But um, it must be very frustrating for 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 Klopp, mustn't it, Tom? Because he's watching his team and thinking he's doing the same thing on the training pitch. And it must be, you know, times when he thinks that he's not listening to me anymore. Yeah, and I think sort of just on your point about how Liverpool played, I think the stats were something like 70% possession, I think, Liverpool had overall. Um I think they said it was the second most possession the teams had at Old Trafford in, in the Premier League era. I think that was the stat. And then they had more shots, uh, more shots on target than United. But obviously, they took their chances well in the game. So I do, I do think it was a little bit harsh, the scoreline in terms of, like you said, United didn't play amazingly. They didn't play like Liverpool did against them last season where they got blown off the park 4-0 and 5-0. It, it was nothing like that, obviously. Um, but Liverpool probably didn't do enough to win the game overall. Um, yeah, I think Klopp will be frustrated because, like you said, a lot of the time, you, you've seen it so many times over the years, just coming out of the blocks, chasing down balls, um, pressing the other team. And I think at the moment what we're seeing is just it's just happening in sort of short spells in the game. So every five minutes you might see it, but... With Liverpool, you've become so used to seeing it, you know, throughout the whole game, chasing balls, um, you know, looking for the right pass. At the moment, it, it just feels like they don't have, um, you know, an idea of what they're doing on the pitch. It just looks a bit confused. Um, and I think, you know, you could see it again last night. And teams are just doing the same thing against Liverpool now. Um, it, it just feels a little bit like they've been not worked out, but... You know, you're just seeing the same sort of counter-attacking moves. Saw it from Palace with Zaha, you know, and Rashford was basically doing the same role that he had. So Liverpool know what teams are going to do against them now. Um, but even despite that, there doesn't seem to be a sort of plan to retaliate against that in the game. So, yeah, I'm sure Klopp's going to be uh, having a lot of work to do and, you know, talking to the players about how, how to fix that, really. Yeah, because Gorsty, that Tom's absolutely bang on right. But that tactic that Liverpool played, we all know it, the high line, and the, but it was played successfully with a, a really strong, fit, uh, energized, committed team performance that, that more often than not played them offside or caught them back for pace. Uh, we're not we're not doing either of those things at the moment. We're getting caught badly, um, uh, and even Allison's come out and said everyone knows how we play. I mean, you're getting players coming out and saying as he said this in an interview. People know how we're starting to play football now. 
people are onto Liverpool, and you have to, of course, you have to, you have to be able to grow and morph and do, and, and do different things, don't you? Um, again, for me, it all it all goes back to just trying to control the middle of the park, um, being strong in attacks, breaking up attacks, and starting attacks. Um, and we don't have the personnel to do that at the moment. Uh, Ghosty, who who have you looked at it? Have you seen anyone out there that? I, I refuse to believe Liverpool aren't going to get someone. I, if they don't get someone in the, in, the, in, the, in the rapidly closing window, then it's 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 an unforgivable mistake to to to, uh, to just rely on people coming back to full fitness in time to plug holes. We need it very very clearly now. Teams that are doing really well at the moment have got those kind of players. Uh, in European world football, I mean, who's out there that you think we should be knocking on the door of, Paul? I don't know. To be honest, I mean, I don't. I don't watch anywhere near as much wider football as, as I used to, and so I always feel a bit kind of uneasy answering questions like that because I'm, I'm not a scout, and you know, I say someone and hundred people will tell me why he's, he's not the right answer, and you know, less will probably tell me why he is. So I, I'm a bit reluctant to get into names, but certainly, so I just think Liverpool just need an, just a little bit of a lift. I mean, the way Luis Diaz came in, didn't he, in, in January, and uh, Liverpool were. Had a bit of a tough period over Christmas and the January break. There was no Salah, no Mane. They were at the Afcon, weren't they? And Navigator was probably at the Afcon carrying an injury. Um, and then he just came in and just gave Liverpool a lift, and and that that is what you you need at times. And if Liverpool can do a little bit of business uh, between now and the end of the deadline, when it's September the first, then it will just give everyone a big lift and confidence might return and. Uh, I, I, yeah, I agree with you talking about the high line there. Everyone knows how Liverpool are going to play. Alisson plays on the front foot as the sweeper and, and Liverpool push up. And You need energy and, and attitude and you know everything needs to, to be right for that to work. And, and you can't really say it doesn't work because Liverpool had an incredible year last season. They've had a superb three years aside from that kind of lockdown. You know, two or three months in that lockdown season which I'm always reluctant to give any kind of real credence to because it was just a Crazy season that probably won't happen again in our lifetimes, will it? So, um, generally, the, the the proof's in the pudding that the, the the style of play does work. But when it doesn't, Liverpool do carve out or do kind of give up high quality chances. Um, that's just the, the nature of the beast, and sometimes teams take them, sometimes you don't. Um, but certainly something's got to change, and I do think finally now looking at it that some business does need to be done. I'm always reluctant to just throw the, the transfer thing out there as the kind of be all um you know fixer of the problems but at some point it's not you know it's not a dirty word transfers is it you know it's the whole point of player trading is to improve your team and they put at the moment certainly need to improve. Yeah it's, there's a stale feeling around what we're seeing on the pitch at the moment Tom and I think what Paul said is right sometimes new faces bring in a new excitement Diaz, for instance, is, is the prime example he gave, and he's still showing. What we need to do is we need to get that through the team before before Diaz stops doing it, and before Harvey Elliott stops doing it. Because if, if, if enthusiastic players like that are worn down by the rest of the team being lethargic and stale and uncommitted, um, then they end up joining the fold. Um, and I think it is high time just to bring a gob in. You know, that's going to... They brought, they've got Calvin Ramsey in and he's injured and they've known he was injured and they've, and they've brought him in and gone, oh, it's OK, we'll do this long-term fix thing and 
okay, that's fair enough. But you know, you've you, you've you're putting all your eggs in the basket of Trent being on on top of his game, and he's not. So you're finding yourself struggling there. He's got no one to cover him. What happened to jig players around to try and cover him? If we wanted to drop him, you'd have to either put Gomez in there. Well, it's, there's Calvin Ramsey, isn't there? But he he came to Liverpool carrying an injury and hasn't hasn't trained a minute. So that's what I've just said. They yeah. put, what they did was they put him in for a they put him in for a fix for a long term fix up. He's had this niggling injury for a while. Yeah, just, he just comes in and they said, well, I'll tell you what, just bung him in for the long-term up. So how long he's out for, we don't know. But yeah. that was cover for Trent that he hasn't got. And he played last night like he didn't really, he wasn't really worried because no one was going to come on. This is the point, you know. Yeah. So I feel that there has to be, we used to be able to look at it. I mean, how long ago was it, Paul? We could look at the Liverpool bench and go, look what's on the pitch and look what can come on. And it, it, it's it's ridiculous. You name oh, yourself, we've got Bobby, no disrespect to the kids, but we've got Bobby yeah, yeah. Clark, kids. I, I look back to like the last few months of, of last season when I'm looking at it, thinking this is the strongest Liverpool squad that, I, that I've ever seen. And it was the likes of Curtis Jones and Joe Gomez and Oxley Chamberlain. They weren't even making it to the matchday squads last season. No. There was always four who were left out. And most of the time it was those three and, and maybe a Minamino or an Origi, depending on who they were playing. What, what would you give now to have those four in the team? They'd, they'd probably get in the team, the man the squad at the moment. Um, people like that, people who they have got shut off for yeah. little fees here, there, and everywhere. And you, you, it is this thing of like trimming the beef all the time, and it trimming yeah. the fat, trimming yeah, yeah. the fat. But trimming the fat can leave you exposed, and we are absolutely exposed at the moment. And we need to get out there. We need to find someone who's going to be a fresh face around the place, bit of a character, and and more importantly, can help out Fabinho. Fabinho at the moment to me looks like he can't he can't rest. And if you're bringing your your play, you're bringing your star holding midfielder on halfway through the second half because that's all you're going to get out of them. Then we're in deep, deep trouble. Uh, all right, let's give it the blood. The, in fact, you know, the blood is in the water. Let's be honest with you. And the way clubs are playing, the way Newcastle played against City, the way Bournemouth are playing, anyway, the way the way Arsenal are playing, this is going to be a tough league. I know it's eighty doors. I know we've only three games in and, and it's easy to say, you know, I think Southampton were top of the league this time last year. But the point is, we know the teams that are going to fall away. But we know the teams that are going to stick around as well, and we need to be one of them and not one of the ones falling away. Gorsty, your prediction then? A massive game at the weekend. Be your prediction? Yeah, I mean this this can't be the game where Liverpool go behind for an eighth successive time. It's it's Bournemouth at home. It's a matter from heaven for a manager who's a little bit under the cosh at the moment, and and it's, something's got to change. There's got to be some real proper talks about sorting out the attitude and the application uh, this week, and I think we'll finally see them get back to winning ways. Let's hope so, Tom. Do you think Bournemouth could be the ones that we cut our teeth on properly and we see a Liverpool that are fighting, that are committed, that are together, that are getting behind the manager, that are fighting for balls and second balls, getting the results in there and using that as the uh, as the springboard? Yeah, you'd like to think so. Um, you know, Bournemouth, I think, you know, they're the favourites to go down. They got beaten, I think, 3-0, was it, by Arsenal at the weekend? So, you know... If you could, like Paul said, this is probably like the perfect game, really, at this time you could have had. If Liverpool don't win this game, then then you really should be worrying. Um, I don't think the United game is, you know, it's it's a concern, but I think if they didn't win, if they don't win against Bournemouth, that is a massive worry. I think they'll just, you know, just have enough to get over the line, but I don't think it's going to be, you know, a massive scoreline, just based on what we've seen in the recent games in terms of how much they've been creating. So, it wouldn't surprise me if it was just like a one nil, like a scrappy, you know, one nil win. But that's three points, and it's good enough. So they'll take that, I'm sure. 
I'll take that all day, Tom. Ghosty, what do you think? Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd take something similar. I think Liverpool just need to win. They don't need to... Don't even need to worry about putting in any kind of performance because you, you don't you don't prove anything anyway if you're going back to Bournemouth because Liverpool should be putting them to the sword quite convincingly anyway. So you're just looking for a win this weekend. Uh, 2-0, two, two should we say? 1-2-0. One, one yeah, I'll take any of them. I'll take a own goal off the crossbar in the 98th minute. Uh, listen, boys, thanks very much. I mean, it's important that we talk when things don't go as good. We've been spoiled rotten. We've been absolutely spoiled rotten by this team, and it's and it's important not to paper over the cracks. Cracks. We're not we're not slagging no one off. We're not giving them down the banks. We're only saying what we feel. We are seeing with a Liverpool team that set their own standards. They're the ones who set these standards, and um, and they need to they need to get kick on and get back up to them standards. And I I am absolutely adamant that we need to bring someone in. And if they don't, they're going to stall. But um, fingers crossed, we get things turned around uh, at the weekend. It all starts from there. Paul Ghost, thanks very much, pal. Yeah, no problem. Always good to come on. Feels like uh, therapy sessions at the moment, aren't they, these pods? They are, mate, they are. But they're few and far between, hopefully, pal. I mean, mm, you know, yeah. I, look at, I, look at, I look at some teams and some supporters and say that it's part of the course. We are, I think, shell-shocked just because we've been so spoiled. Yeah. Uh, Tom, thanks very much, pal, and we'll speak to you on the next one, hopefully. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks very much, boys. Uh, so, onwards and upwards, three games down. Yes, you can smell blood in the water, but hopefully we can turn things around against Bournemouth. And then we've got a little derby after that. Well, hopefully by then we'll have found our winning ways. Uh, listen, thank you to everyone listening. Thank you to everyone downloading. Keep downloading all the Umbrella um, Blood Red podcasts, as well as Ali Rouge, of course, and, uh, and this Poetry Emotion. This has been Neil Fitz. Uh, let's keep fighting for the Reds and let's get a turnaround coming pretty soon. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.